Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. There's some happy, happy mothers out there I see getting greeted and hugs and we'll start making our way back to our seats. Hopefully I had a chance to greet everybody who wanted to. The good news is there's time after church you can do it more there. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm just going to read one opening scripture this morning. If you want to stand with me for the word, it's a short one. But let's honor the word of God this morning. And we're going to say a word of prayer before we read. In Jesus' name. Lord God, we're thankful again for the beautiful day that you've provided us, Lord. We thank you so much for your call in our lives, the privilege and the honor that it is to serve in your kingdom, Lord. Whatever role that we have, whatever that you've called us to do, God, it is a great privilege. It is a great honor. And Lord, we lift up our moms today and what you have provided for them, these wonderful Christian ladies doing a greater work than any mom that I know. And God, we pray that you continue a great blessing upon them. Bless your vessel this morning with the message that you've provided, and we'll give you the thanks and the praise and the glory in Jesus' precious name. If you'll turn with me this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14. I brought my Toten Bible with me this morning, but uh, I have my scriptures printed out for better vision. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14 says that, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. You can be seated. Now here in the church, we know that scripture, that's word from God. Out in the world, that scripture may not set very well. There's a different tone in secular society that we've all talked about. And I want you to know that I went to the Lord, as I always do, seeking his word. And if you'll permit me this morning, I have a different message. I have a different approach, something I think that I think is exciting. I want to encourage moms today. Uh, there is a greater call that is happening right now in the church. And there is a greater message And I do not make light of scripture like 1 Timothy 5 and 14, God's call. Because God built in something, and you ladies, in your nature, in your DNA, that you want to come up and marry and bear children. Now, of course, I know that that's not always the case. And there are different challenges. And there are things in the world that we have to do. There are different roles. I understand that... that, uh, Certainly, there are women CEOs and doctors and lawyers and business owners and all those different things. This isn't an old-fashioned thing, but there is a special call. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of a mother's prayer. The power of a mother's prayer. My wife and I have a saying around the house that we came up with a while ago and said basically that this parenting thing would be a snap if it wasn't for these kids. two, three, four times a week. I'll tell you what, I see what my wife goes through raising four boys and one girl. Mother's Day should be a quarterly deal. (laughs) Father's Day, once every two, three years. Mother's Day, quarterly. Who said weekly? 
Sister, Sister Noak said weekly. Um, but I've known my mother most of my life. And, well, there was a couple months there in the beginning I don't have a lot of memory of. But, but I know what she went through, and I know that it is a special role. And I've, I've sat through a zillion Mother's Day wonderful messages, and we've, we, we've had some great teaching in that regard. And I thought, well, Lord, I don't want to just do the same old cookie cutter. I don't want to come out and do all that same stuff. And it's nice for you to hear. I understand. Those are wonderful things. And I do want to honor the role of mother, but not in that traditional, classic, same old approach, because God gave me something that's higher and greater. And I got excited about it, and I want to share it with you today. See, the modern world today, society, of course, as you know, things are changing rapidly out there. We know that all of our roles are under attack. The role of the the father is under attack. The role of the mother is under attack. See, the God of this world, the spirit of this world, wants to switch them around. Wants to change, wants to tell you, be ashamed if you want to, if you want to stay home and bear children, if you want to stay home and, and raise your children and run your house. That's shameful. That's terrible. And now there may be some out there that are saying, hey, wait a minute now. I, you know, I didn't do that. I went out and I'm a professional. Not taking away from that. Absolutely not. God gave us that opportunity. God gave us the skills and the abilities. And there are brilliant, wonderful women in this room who do fantastic in the business world. My wife is one of them. She's a nurse. She's a professional, and she's excellent at what she does. But see, that's, it's not just about those roles, what you do for a job. It's about your role, your interaction with your children, your interaction with your husband, your interaction with the rest of the world. And the enemy is twisting that and changing it and perverting it. But it doesn't matter what's happening outside this ark because God's got a greater call for you. I know he does because he shared it with me. Now, Mother's Day, of course, honors and celebrates moms. And by definition, to be a mom, you're a person who has had a child or children, right? That's what we traditionally think. That's logical. That's the biological approach. But not necessarily exactly in that way. And I'll explain what I mean by that. There's, there's so much more to it in the church today. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm preaching to the church. I'm preaching to you saved, godly, Christian women who have the greatest challenge in the world, and that is to bring up your children in a very secular, very changing world. Still uphold your godly principles, still work in the work world and help to bring home the needed funds and go through all of that. God has a greater call for you. You've got power in God's eyes. So today there's all types of mothers in the house that I recognize. And of course there's the mothers with children. And, and you guys all have your challenges and are doing a fantastic job. I, I teach some of them in the youth department. And uh, the Sunday school department is working with the rest. But there are mothers today maybe who are expecting or who want to be expecting or a little bit young yet but someday are thinking about it. Someday I want to be a mommy. Right? And that's okay. God built that into you. God built that into women. God built things into men in the way we are. And the way what we want to do and go out and conquer and bring home the bacon and take care of our families. In the same way, God built something into you that the world cannot change. The enemy of this world cannot alter the way you were created. It is simply built into you. But there are mother whose, mothers whose children have grown. And you're not a mom to them much anymore. At least in the day-to-day operation. You're not there folding their clothes and getting them out of bed for school. And making all their meals. Because they live someplace else. They have children of their own. And then there are the grandmothers. If you're a grandmother in the house this morning. If you're a grandmother, guess what? You started out as a mother. But now, you're just a mother again, but with flair. Right? And you get to send them home when you get tired of them. 
So grandmothers are the best. You guys, you guys have flair. You got candy in your purse and you got all kinds of cool things that you do. But there are also mothers without children. You say, well, Brother Cordell, how can that be? How can there be mothers without children? And I'll tell you, there are those, of course, who for various reasons have chosen not to have children. That's not a shame. There's no place in the scripture, no place in the word that says that if you have chosen not to have children, there's anything wrong with you, that something's bad. You simply have chosen not to go that route. But then there are the mothers who would like to be, but because of biological reasons, you can't. But that does not mean you're not a mother. There's a special place for you in the kingdom of God and in this church today. As a matter of fact, Psalm 113 and 9 has a very special word for those folks. I think about, uh, well, let me read the scripture. Psalm 113 and 9 says that he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. You know what that says to me? First of all, that keep house doesn't just mean sweep the floors in your apartment or the house that you own. It means this house, right? And it says that you're to be mother to children. And I know so many of you who are mother to a lot more than just the children that you bring to church every Sunday. Your mothers in ministry, your mothers in Sunday school classes, your mothers, your mothers when they fall down in the parking lot outside and their mom isn't nearby. I see it all the time. I grew up with it in the church. And I'm thankful for that. I said to Sister Matson this morning, I gave her a special Mother's Day greeting because I've known Sister Matson my entire Christian life just about. And she's had a, a part in being a mother to me in the church. And uh, my own mother goes to church with us. So if your mom is here today, that's a very special thing for you too. And Sister Kylie has been in a way a special mother to me over the many years and others that I could name. So God has a special place for those who perhaps cannot have children. You're all part of the program, and God's got a greater call for you. Now, I don't mean greater than the one that you have. I mean the call that you have that you can now take to the next level for what's coming, and I'll explain further. So let's look at a couple of biblical examples uh, in the extraordinary works. I look at Rebecca, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now, Rebecca was kind of sneaky in this deal. She saw some Jacob was special, and she knew that he was part of God's promise Esau had already given up his birthright to his brother for a bowl of soup. But see, now Isaac was about to die. And he heard Isaac, she heard Isaac talking to Esau about, go out, hunt some venison, bring it in here, give me some savory meat, I'll bless you, and then I'm going to die. And so Rebecca, being a part of a greater plan, a higher call, got Jacob and said, we're going to pull a little fast one, and you're going to get the blessing from your father. And there was purpose in that. Of course, you know that Jacob then became Israel, became the father of God's holy nation, the tribes of Israel. And out of Jacob, out of, excuse me, Israel, came the 12 sons and the tribes of Israel, and as a matter of fact, the Levite tribe. And I'll explain that in just a moment as well. But what that told me, the story of Rebecca told me, is that women, can you relate to this? Moms will do anything for their children. I've tell you, over the years in my experience, I've seen a woman be as tender and gentle as a dove with a child, and then in a second, turn into a she-bear, if you're going to mess with my kid, right? I know the old saying says, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Well, somebody misquoted that because it's hell hath no fury like a mother scorned. And I thank God for the women who, in a flash, in a heartbeat, 
can turn that on and protect their children like a she-bear. We need that in the church, and there's a greater call for that. There's a greater call for you. I think of Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Think about what she went through. The pending doom of firstborn children, and she had to take her baby, stick him in a little raft, and set him afloat. Think about that. How many of us could do something like that? Ladies, well, the guys, we're all going, yeah, we could do that, no problem. Um, (laughs) Two, three o'clock in the morning, we're throwing them out in the river. There you go. (laughs) They They wake us up one more time. I hope the princess finds you. Sorry, Lord, that was ad lib. But imagine what she had to go through to put her infant into a little boat and set him afloat in the Nile River. But look how God is so great. She get, he gets picked up by the princess of Egypt, taken into the house. Does anybody remember who ends up being the caregiver for Moses? His mother, exactly. There's a role. And there was a call. And so, if you think about it for a minute, moms, whatever age that you're at and whatever age your children are at, are you ready to let them go? Are you ready to set them into the boat and let them go? Because that's part of your call. That's part of what God has for you. The time is coming when God is going to start calling these children to do greater works and greater things. There's a time in our history coming when the call is going to be put on you to let them go. But you know what? They're not going to float down the river for never to be seen. You're going to end up still being their mother, just like Jochebed. And so now I want to talk about a godly woman who wanted to be a mother. First Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Get to the heart and the meat of my message. First Samuel chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The Bible says that there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jerohim, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, and the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. Now in study, actually, Elkanah was of the tribe of Levite. He was of the lineage of the Levites. The Levites are the priests of the house. They are the ones who were charged with taking care of God's temple taking care of God's ministry, taking care of the Ark of the Covenant, and ministering to the people of Israel. And he had two wives, which right there, that, that's a problem for the guys. The guys just went, ooh. Okay, it's just, that's just scary to me. He had two wives, and the one of them was named Hannah, and the other of them was named Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Shiloh was a small city just north, about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem at the time was not the holy city of the Israelites at that time. It was actually occupied by the Jebusites. And so they had the temple or they had their place of worship up in Shiloh. Okay, And that's where, where Elkanah would take his family and worship and sacrifice there in Shiloh. And also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time of, came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would go give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. 
so she had, obviously, Penina was very blessed. She had a large family and obviously very happy, and he would give her portion and take care of her. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Now, I don't know if that means he didn't love Penina, didn't say that, but he loved her specially. And maybe it was because he did have compassion in his heart for the fact that she could not bear children. See, men aren't completely just brutes and bears. We do understand the challenges that you face. We do care. There is a tenderness there. And, and Elkanah loved Hannah, and possibly because he cared for her and her sorrow. Although the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Ladies, how many of you can relate to the women out there picking and making fun and, and subtly, ha-ha, you know, oh, look, here's all my children, Hannah. Oh, that's right. You don't have any. I see things. I've worked in the work world, and I've worked in, in office environments years ago, and it was incredible to watch how women can be really brutal to one another and, and really awful. And so here's Penina picking at Hannah for something so terribly sensitive to her, and that hurt her, and it, it made her very sad. <clears throat> And it made her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. And therefore she wept and didn't eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Okay, now this is a typical guy. I mean, your other wife is picking at her. She's got no children. And you're standing there wondering, well, why are you so sad? Duh. I gave you some food. The next statement really cracks me up. He says, am I not better to you than 10 sons? <laughs> yes, yeah, you ladies are laughing right away. The guys are all sitting here going, yeah, what's it? Yeah. <laughs> what, I'm not good enough? Absolutely. And of course, the ladies are going, no. <laughs> what? You're lucky I picked you. <laughs> Elkanah is not a really, really smart guy. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorstep of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. Now, why do you think she said that? Why did she include that? Well, what that is, is a reflection of the Nazarite vow in Mosaic law. Nazarite comes from the Hebrew word nazir, which means to separate or consecrate. And so what Hannah was doing was praying to God, God, give me a child, and I promise you, I will consecrate him to the Lord. I will make sure that he is separate from the Lord. And what they did in the Nazarite vow, and you can read about it in Numbers chapter 6, but the Nazarite vow included several, there were several facets to it, but one of them is that they wouldn't cut their hair. So the most famous example you may be aware of is Samson, right? Samson's strength existed in his hair. Well, that was a Nazarite vow. That was, that was not. Now, the Nazarite vow, okay, ladies, listen to this. The Nazarite vow could be a man or a woman, and it's voluntary. And so what Hannah did is she made the Nazarite vow to the Lord for her unborn hopeful child. <clears throat> Keep going. 
And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. I've seen that so many times in my own home. <laughs> Sometimes we get so, you ladies get so angry that the words just can't, there's no voice, you just get, can't come out. So he should understand that, there's something going on there. But no, he didn't get it right, he thought she was drunk. He said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered her and said, no, my Lord, I am a, a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. And then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She went to the house of the Lord, and she consecrated a child that does not exist to the Lord with the Nazarite vow. And the priest of that house saw her sorrow, understood what she was going through, heard her prayer, and blessed her. And she walked away, and she was able to eat, and she was no longer sad. Verse 19 says, Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass, in the process of time, that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord, Samuel comes from the Hebrew Sham El, which means a gift of God or given by God, which is awesome. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord yearly a sacrifice and his vow, but Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. And so Hannah simply said, I know where he's going and I know what's going to happen when he gets there, so I'm going to keep him for a little while. Right, ladies? Keep him close. She was going to nurse that baby, make that special connection that happens in that time, and bond with him because she knew that once she took him to Shiloh, she was going to lend him to the Lord. She was going to give him up. And when, verse 24 says, Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli, and he said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted my petition, which I asked him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. Now notice that she says she lent him to the Lord. She didn't give him up. This wasn't an adoption. She's just given him to the Lord for as long as the Lord wants to use him. She had dedicated and consecrated him to the Lord. And so she made a tremendous sacrifice there because it meant that he was going to go and live with Eli and be raised up. And Samuel lives and trains with Eli. God calls him in the evening one night. And because of Hannah's wonderful prayer, because of her sacrifice, because of the Nazarite vow, God calls him to a very special service. So let's look at what Samuel did. Samuel was the first judge and prophet of Israel during the Philistine occupation. The Philistines had, had uh, sacked Israel, had taken the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and hauled it off into their own lands, into the heathen lands. And so God eventually calls Samuel, Samuel to lead Israel into battle. They defeat the Philistines, get the Ark of the Covenant back, and Samuel is raised up in the sight of Israel and begins ministering and teaching to them. Eventually, Samuel anoints the first two kings of Israel. He anoints King Saul 
and then later, of course, King David. And this is really the exciting news, ladies. For the women of the church today, God is calling you right now to be the Hannahs of this generation. We need Christian women in the church to continue the work that you've always done in a greater way than ever before, a greater level of consecration. Don't get me wrong. I'm the guys, we need to take it to that next level too. The world is changing rapidly. Your role is under attack. God's word is under attack in the way that he meant for society to operate and for the family to operate and the home to operate. And so now the call is greater. We need Hannah's in the church, willing to sacrifice, willing to consecrate and separate at a greater level than you've ever done before. Not just for your own children. Grandmas, I'm talking to you. Ladies who have no children, I'm talking to you. Those that have, their children have grown, I'm speaking to you. As a member of the, of the youth ministry and a leader in that, in that ministry, I can tell you that right now, we need Hannah's. Like more than ever before. Our children under, are under attack as well. Society wants to suck them in, wants to take them in and pervert this gospel that we've brought them up. It's not just enough these days to send them into Sunday school and make my, make my child a Christian. Here, Brother Cordell, make my child a Christian because I know once you're done with them, they're just gonna be perfect and awesome and great. We need Hannah's to step up and go to the Lord and consecrate and separate and sacrifice. And you know what? I'm looking at a room full of ladies who are doing just that. God is using you guys and in in, in ladies in the greatest way. Look what he's doing already because of the sacrifice and the prayer and the fasting that's happening in this church. The, the, the ones that have come to God, the growth that we have, the things that are happening, the miracles that are happening, the healings that are happening. There are three young ladies being baptized into the youth group today because they've got moms. Amen. They've got moms that have brought them to church, prayed for them, wept for them, prayed over them. I've seen it and cried for them. They gave them a hand of sacrifice. So God is calling this next generation to prepare them for the great work that God has in store for them. Just as you used Samuel, your children will be the next Samuels and the Davids and the Jacobs. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever considered through your prayer and your sacrifice, your child can raise up and do something great? And I'm talking about the kingdom of God. They'll do wonderful things in the work world and they'll do wonderful things in, in those achievements and I expect that and they haven't continued to do that. But what God is looking for is what they're gonna do in the kingdom. Who can he call next? Look at how the world is coming against our children right now. The evil that exists in television, movies, internet, the schools. My kids tell me stories about what goes on in schools, what the teachers permit these days. Even language and, 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 and the lack of respect, it's, it's being, there's just no formal focus now on accountability and respect and all those great virtues and qualities that we were raised up with as kids, even in the schools. It's all going away. It's eroding away. So where is it going to happen? You awesome ladies in this room today, because God has a greater call on your life. God has a hand of call on your life. So let's look what Paul has to say about our Nazarite vow today. In Romans chapter 12, starting at verse one, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
That's a Nazarite vow. I want to make that vow for my children, and I know you're making it for your children. And we need to hold fast to those words, those teachings of Paul. It's critically important because it's the things that I just mentioned that will slowly erode that. It's eroded out of the school system. There was virtue like crazy in the schools in the 30s and the 40s and 50s. God was there. God was taught. Prayer was there. It doesn't exist anymore. Now it's up to you, moms and dads, to carry the standard, to raise up the virtues, to consecrate your children and yourselves, husbands, Consecrate your children and yourselves to this work, to this call. Because now more than ever, it's critically important. And God is calling you. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 12 through 16, says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God is putting that call upon us again. It's the only thing that is going to matter in this world. As we try to reach out and reach others with something different. When they don't see that putrid ugliness that exists with with people out in the world and the infighting and all the backstabbing and all the things that go on, the things that the Bible says are going to happen. But they see you, ladies of the church, they see you wonderful Christian women who've consecrated your children, who bring them to service, who pray and weep and fast for your children. They see that light and that's what's drawing them. It's the spirit within you that they see and it's going to continue to draw them. That's the call that's there. You see, here's the reality. And I'm closing with this. You are the prophet raisers. You are the kingmakers. You are the ones that are making the difference in the church today. Absolutely. You are the prayer warriors. You are the fasters. You are doing things because of your dedication and love for God and for the ministry that no woman outside of church who has turned from God or has had anything to do with it ever does for their children. Think about that for a second. You know what you've dedicated to your child. You know what you've dedicated to God. You know the prayers, the tears, everything you've given. And think of the millions of women who have no connection, no attachment with anything to do with God or the word. And their children have none of that. Your children are gonna be the ones that God calls just like Samuel. Your children are gonna be the ones that God raises up. Your children are gonna be the next generation that he uses to minister to this world. If you can stand with me this morning. So thank you to the moms, the mothers in this house who have dedicated yourselves. Love God so much, you're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to float them in the boat down the river. You're willing to hand them over to Eli the priest and say, I gave them to God, it's up to you now. Thank you, moms. And thank you for answering the call because the women who will listen to this call sacrifice and prayer for the children, teach them the Nazarite, Nazarite vow and raise them up, the new Nazarite vow, and keep on being godly Christian women to all of us. We need you. The children need you. And God is calling you to a Hannah's call this morning. So what I would like to do, Sister Missy, if you'd like to play, every year at Mother's Day, we get the families together, and I think it's appropriate and wonderful that we honor mom 
If your mom is here this morning, come down to the altar this morning, pray with her. And mom, I want you to talk to God and see where he might lead you. As your children are praying with you, as those around you are praying with you, if your mom's not here, or you have a mom you want to reach out to, think about that consecration. Think about what God has called you to do because you are an awesome, powerful bunch and you're going to make a huge, huge mark on this world before it's all done. So let's join this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.